this is Jacqueline. Welcome to my podcast where I speak to thought leaders and way showers about ways of living, working, playing, and being that expand our horizons of what's possible. Now, let's get to it. I have here Dr. Joanna Kuyawa. She's an author, scholar, and spiritual detective. Joanna's new book, The Other Goddess, Mary Magdalene and the Goddesses of Eros and Secret Knowledge is available for pre-order in March 2022. I will put the link below for you to check that out. Um, and let's welcome Dr. Joanna. Hi, Joanna. Thank you for being here. Hi, Jacqueline. Good to see you. And I'm so glad to, to be you. here. Oh, I'm so excited for your book. Um, we were just talking a little bit, just a few minutes of that before uh, we're recording this part of the, the podcast. And I already feel so much depth and connection to what you're saying in the book. And I haven't even read it yet. So, <laughs> But let's start with the very basics about the subject of goddesses. Um, let's start from the beginning, maybe. How did you even come to be interested in the subject of goddesses? Mm -hmm. That's actually a very interesting and, and, and a complex question because I had no interest in goddesses for the longest time. And, uh, and, uh, and, and later it just all came together. We can discuss it later. But now when I look back at this, you know, I remember when I was a little girl and I was brought up in Catholic Poland, in a Catholic uh, uh, family, you know, I used to go to these beautiful Baroque churches that had beautiful images of the divine feminine. So in, on the one hand, I was very lucky because I was exposed to the divine feminine always because Virgin Mary is, you know, big in the Catholic iconography. But then I noticed that there was this representation of this other woman, Mary Magdalene, who seemed to be very close to, to Jesus, which is a very important figure in Christianity. And, but somehow she's been um, uh, portrayed in a very negative way. There was something really sinful, you know, in quotation marks about her, inappropriate. Mm -hmm. right about her and and it kind of struck me as a particular contrast but as a, as a young girl I didn't understand this polarity this polarity came to my mind later when after my PhD I went to Jerusalem with uh, two men who were on an archaeological trip research trip and we went to the um, actually Eastern Orthodox Church uh, uh, called Mary Magdalene Mm -hmm. on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. And that, uh, and I didn't know it then, but actually the Eastern Orthodox Church portrays Mary Magdalene in a very different way, particularly as a saint. Right. Know, it doesn't focus really on the sexual part of her as a prostitute, which we, by the way, know now that it wasn't true, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, but, but as a saint. And when I was in this church, you know, I saw this painting of Mary Magdalene uh, uh, that she, she actually stands there with her hand extended and she holds a, a, a red egg in her, in her hand. And the traditional kind of medieval explanation for this is that uh, after the resurrection, she went to Rome and she wanted to uh, convince Emperor, I think Tiberius, 
you know, that life after death is possible and the resurrection happened. And he's, he laughed at her and apparently she says, I'll prove it, I'll have a miracle and, and, and the, the egg turned red. And I always thought it was a ridiculous explanation, right? Because it, the explanation was given by people in this particular period, you know, which was uh, in the Middle Ages, very simplistic. But when I was looking at this painting of Mary Magdalene in, in Jerusalem, uh, I thought that she was extending her hand with some gift. Right. Whatever the egg represents, which could be a cosmic egg. And mm -hmm. for me, it is actually what I called in my book, you know, the secret knowledge. What is it? You know, that's something that we are missing and desperately need our, nowadays. And, uh, uh, and then I started to look at, other, I thought like, are there other goddesses that are represented this way? You know, maybe she is not the separate figure in Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe she has some connection to uh, more ancient times. And as I was doing this research, and this is how this book came to be basically based on this research, I realized that, for example, in ancient Sumer, which is over 400, 4,500 years ago, which is current uh, Iran, Iraq area, right, mm -hmm. roughly, uh, there was this goddess, you know, there are carvings of this goddess, goddess, but, you know, she's mm -hmm. probably more ancient than this that her name is Nimna and she's represented in a very similar way she's represented with a tree of life and knowledge she mm -hmm. ex extends the fruit of life and knowledge to a male figure and she is the main deity because she has a, a sun above her head mm -hmm. when he has a moon over his head which is already like a reversal of what we know now right because right. now the goddess is portrayed as the moon mm -hmm. and she was portrayed as the sun which means she is the main deity and she's offering him something you know in front of a tree of life and tree of knowledge so i thought okay so there is some lineage of that you know mm -hmm. there is some tradition of a goddess offering something to humanity and the question now it is what what, what is it what is the secret knowledge because there is certain offering and and when i was then tracing the stories from ancient sumer and mesopotamia i realized that many of the stories are actually included in what in christian bible is called the old testament except that you know the names are changed and usually the main heroines in sumer were women or goddesses and then now they became men so I started to see that there is certain editing, changing, you know, moving away from the feminine wisdom to another form of wisdom. Mm -hmm. And so th that started this research right. in some ways, right? Mm. So, but it's, it's a long story because I also studied the esoteric Hinduism on a personal level, which brought me to the Eros part of the site. So um, I, I hope the answer is not too complicated. No, I, I mean, like it has a lot to do with the lost wisdom and the inquiry into what is it that we're missing right now. Is that, is that right to say? Yeah. Mm. Um, we, I, I've uh, read the synopsis uh, of your book and it talks a lot about goddess consciousness. Could you explain what exactly is goddess consciousness? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this actually requires, and that's why I call myself spiritual detective, eh? mm -hmm. this requires a lot of uh, uncovering and kind of almost like an archaeology of ideas, simply because what is goddess consciousness is being redefined nowadays 
because it was covered up, right? It was suppressed, it, it was repressed. But basically, even in most traditional scriptures, there is something like that that is mentioned. So for example, uh, in Hinduism, it's called buddhi, which is basically the higher intellect, which is the in intellect that perceives beyond regular reason, which is cause and effect. It's kind mm -hmm. of non-local way of thinking, which, which is very holistic. Right, which connects you to everything. It's not linear, it's more sp spiral, like, like a galaxy is spiral, right? And, and more holistic. So in new age parlance, it would be called probably intuition. Mm -hmm. mm. And then uh, in, in, in Zen, you call it Satori, which is this kind of sudden understandings, you know, but right. you do not, you do not, you cannot reason with them. That means it's not that you came to this by concluding, you know, you, you have some cause and effect and ideas and you strategize. No, this is a very uh, kind of rational way of thinking, which just for the sake of argument, I would call masculine. But in feminine, it is just kind of sudden uh, uh, grasps of wisdom. Then in, uh, even, even in, 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 in Christianity, you know, they call it intellection, which is basically uh, a complete understanding when you have a kind of moment, I know. Mm. I know this, you know, I suddenly completely connected. I actually completely understand it. This rare moments of complete connection with cosmos or universe, but also the knowingness, so to speak, if it makes sense. So it is, I would put it in opposition or, in, or as a maybe complement to our regular way of thinking that we are using now primarily, which is, you know, reasoning, basically, right. you know, cause and effect, cause and effect, mm -hmm. which in, in physics is very Newtonian, right? So right. it's like, there's a cause, there's effect, there's a cause, there's effect. And, and modern physics basically talks about non-locality or non-local knowing, which basically we have all knowledge in our field, like Akashic, you know, system. Right. Right, like Akashic records. So this is goddess, uh, I would call it goddess consciousness, more holistic, more mm -hmm. spiral, more mm -hmm. intuitive, and perhaps more difficult to grasp because we completely forgot about it. And there is a reason for it because, uh, for example, in ancient Greece, it started with Aristotle, you know, who's basically focused only on the physical reality, you know, uh, he let go of spiritual uh, reality. Then we had, in, in Europe, we had... Uh, Descartes, you know, who also, you know, talk, you know, I think therefore I am, right? Mm -hmm. It was this kind of very much hardcore logical reasoning like Aristotle and something in this was lost in, in our civilization. And I call it goddess consciousness. Okay. But now it is explored mostly in esoteric um, spiritual traditions. Right. So the gift that you were describing um, or the lost wisdom, that is part of the goddess consciousness or that is the goddess consciousness which one are you proposing which one do you feel i think it is goddess consciousness but it's also part of goddess consciousness she is giving you know this kind of wisdom to us you know she, she wants to i think she wants us to reclaim this wisdom mm. right and do you see and, that happening? Are you seeing any shifts happening? Do you see, feel that we are any closer to uncovering this uh, I wisdom? That, I think that as a, as a humanity or even a species, we are really on um, at the crossroads. Mm. You know? 
So I think that either we will make an effort to make friends with this kind of wisdom, which is also based on compassion, you know, like uh, almost any feminine figure in any spirituality, connectiveness, connectivity, and lots of uh, feminist uh, spiritual writers write about it in academics, connectivity, that goddess equals connectivity, goddess wisdom. uh, equals uh, a holistic understanding of the universe and of life, right? Right. So um, I think I lost myself now. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> like <laughs> how, how, how far along do you think oh, we have yes. started to uncover? Yes. And, and then I think that we are very far from it. You know, I'm just trying to uncover this and there are many other people I'm, you know, by no means the only one mm-hmm. because look the direction we are going. We are going in the direction of completely of technology, you know, of uh, artificial intelligence, of algorithms, mm-hmm. right? Of yes. complete surveillance of everything we do by basically artificial intelligence. We cannot mm-hmm. even blame people for this and and we're absolutely obsessed with this we uh, want to send people to mars like even elon musk whom i you know actually uh, admire many aspects of elon musk you know because he he's a you know he's a genius mm-hmm. in this area of this mm-hmm. kind of rational mind right mm-hmm. not the goddess consciousness and i think we are not even close to going there, not because we cannot do it from a technological point of view, but because we are not ready in our consciousness, because we are, in my opinion, destroying our planet, and now we are going to go to other planets <laughs> and destroy them, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because we mm-hmm. have to develop our own consciousness, you know, which, right. which I call goddess consciousness, you know, the more compassionate, the more holistic consciousness that it's not based only on 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 winning and on division but rather on togetherness Mm. right yeah this is what i mean however there's lots of exciting research done and including you know in my book i i I look at some major religious figures and also women philosophers and and archetypes who who were different you know who somehow embodied that but who were somehow written off from a history and often ridicule or even uh, uh, religious scriptures, mm. such as Mary Magdalene, which is you know most common if if if, if your audience is Christian, you know, but mm-hmm. any or at least familiar with this. But also in, in, in Hinduism, there are other goddesses like goddess Sundari and so on that were once powerful and, mm-hmm. and now you know were completely degraded in a very same way as, as Mary Magdalene was. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that we see the parallels happening in such different cultures and traditions. Um, I think this leads to very much the next question, which is how does the work of understanding the goddess archetypes and the goddess consciousness apply to our lives practically in a very mm. you know, pragmatic way? Like how can we, how does this apply to me? Like if someone's listening, yeah. Mm. Uh, that's a very good question. And, you know, I think that uh, I, I don't want to exclude men because they have their own archetypes that oppress them, you know, like even the archetype of a provider, you know, some men start to rebel against it, you know, an archetype as a soldier or a warrior, you know, they, they have their own sacrifices. But I think as, as, as we men, we actually lost uh, completely, I would say, uh, the sense of who we are in this, as a woman. Mm. And we have only one archetype that we can follow, and it is the mother archetype. 
the wife archetype and the mother archetype. And it is a beautiful archetype, but it is not the only archetype. And I think lots of women who perhaps either chose not to be a part of this or perhaps couldn't even you know, be a part of this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do not have any other uh, role models for this. Or for example, there are women who already did the mother thing, right? Mm-hmm. Children yeah. grew up and now they want to discover something else. And there's very little there on offer there. Right mm-hmm. for women, like what kind? What that? So people try to take, you know, art workshops. You know, maybe learn a little bit of meditation and so on. Because we don't have really a sense who we are, because we are always seeing each other through the eyes of men and in relation to men. So mm-hmm. I'll give you an example. So um, I chose, you know, with my partner of twelve years. Mm-hmm. You know, in all uh, sense, we are a married couple. But mm-hmm. we decided not to actually get married in a church, mm-hmm. okay? Because we don't see a reason for this. But some, especially women, especially from traditional societies, they would ask me, oh, so like he didn't really marry you. Assuming oh. that it was somebody else's choice. Do you understand? Mm. Or, 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 or for example, I go to a bank and people ask me immediately, miss or missus? Mm-hmm. Right. So immediately, immediately you are seen in relation to a man. Right. right? And then I just being, you know, cheeky, I say doctor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. So I just and wanted to think, true. you know, there are other categories, you know, there are other categories. Yes. And also, and, and this is where archetypes come because I read a very interesting hymn to Aphrodite, which is supposed to be a Homeric hymn. So uh, Homer wrote the Iliad and the Odyssey right and mm-hmm. it is like 2800 years old right okay. so they're like uh, great works of western literature yeah and he apparently the argument is wrote with him but he obviously didn't write the whole thing because right in the middle of his hymn to aphrodite which is supposed to be goddess of love and eros relates mm-hmm. to my book you know she's portrayed as this beautiful powerful seductive wise woman that even Zeus who you know was the main god in Greek uh, mythology was afraid of her because you know she could make anyone fall in love with anyone right she was a little bit of a flirt as well but she was a very powerful goddess very much comfortable with her body very much comfortable with her wisdom and who Mm -hmm. she is and halfway through the hymn she falls in love with uh, some kind of mortal man and immediately she is disempowered. Once she is in a relationship with a man who is much lesser than herself, because she's a goddess, he's mm-hmm. a man, mm-hmm. right? He gains power because, you know, hey, he's with a goddess, right? So he gets right. all kinds of gifts and so on. But she's completely disempowered. And then she becomes this Aphrodite that we know nowadays, who has some, who is married to a Hephaestus, which is this ugly you know man and but she has an affair with the handsome mars her romantic life is a complete mess she mm-hmm. is completely at the will of zeus you know the male god so obviously something historically happened mm-hmm. that she became from this powerful seductive goddess also a wise goddess completely loses her power in a relationship and I observed it so many times Jacqueline Mm -hmm. not only myself you know (laughs) when I was a younger woman but also my friends who you know I'm an academic and I mostly know academics and I know many successful women how they struggle with this the moment they go into relationship 
they either get completely disempowered or, you know, they assume that like a masculine role, meaning, right. you know, this is how they try to deal with this. But as women, we have very few examples of how to be in our body, how to be in our beauty, not how men see us, mm -hmm. but who we are, how we yeah. claim it. And actually, if you, this is the most attractive thing about a woman, a woman who is completely empowered. And very often, even men are attracted to women a woman because she's like that but once she is in a relationship mm -hmm. something changes the fall of aphrodite happens over and, and over, over again right yes. and there is this other goddess uh, go in hinduism goddess sundari and again at the beginning she is like full-on powerhouse she is powerful She's sexy when she smiles, mango trees are blossoming, mm -hmm. all the gods are madly in love with her. And, you know, and she is, uh, if you think about tarot cards, you know, mm -hmm. she's both the empress and the priestess. So she's yeah. very earthly, but she's also very spiritual. And somehow nowadays, you know what, uh, uh, what happened to Sundari? She is perceived as a, pretty much a prostitute and all this kind of, um, uh, you know, semi-legal massage parlors oh. in India <laughs> are called sundaris. Oh. Like some, mm -hmm. And beauty products, sundari, you know? Right. So there is another kind of fall from power to, you know, this kind of submissive sexuality. Right. right? And the same, I noticed this is again sim similar to Mary Magdalene. If, if you don't mind, I'll go back no. to her because mm -hmm. she was portrayed as a, as a prostitute. You know, I grew yes. up thinking that she's a prostitute, you know, as a, as a yep. Catholic. Mm -hmm. And then I have learned that even ca the Catholic Church said that there is no scriptural evidence for her being a prostitute. They said it in 1969, but who knows that? Scholars yeah. like myself. Wow. And then we discovered Gnostic Gospels, which are the Gospels that were rejected from the original Bible. If you want, we can talk about it. When she's portrayed not only as the wisest and favorite disciple of Jesus, but possibly his partner or a lover. Mm -hmm. right. So that may be too much for some people. But, but what I mean, the same thing happened. Do you see when we talk about mythical narratives? Mm -hmm. which basically we see the fall of fe feminine wisdom and feminine sexuality and here we are women trying to find a place you know women and leadership women and this women and that mm. but it's all messy and it's actually quite masculine you know so even when right. i go to women and leadership courses i see these women that are actually very often very masculine right because we don't know how to be leaders as women in business and anywhere else right and we still see each other in relation to men and don't let get me wrong i really love men you know i love mm -hmm. my partner dearly but what i'm saying we should be able to stand in our own power and then be in a relationship and still stand in our power when we are in relationship so we are equal we are right. partners yes we are not aphrodites and sundaris who you know fell from grace so to speak mm -hmm. mm. Yes, and, and the, the search that you're on will give us the answers, hopefully. <laughs> Partially, at least, uh, at least you know, uh, to help, uh, help us along this search. And so many of us are searching. Um, yes. And well, thank you for, for 
putting that search into words and into a book form and, and, and helping us to organize our own. Probably we have probably had similar thoughts, but, you know, never really putting it together, never really um, exploring it in depth, wondering what's missing and not knowing how to actually get back what we know we have probably inside of us somewhere. Um, yeah, I, that's a lot. It's a lot to take in. Um, but also there's, sorry, there's this, <laughs> no, no, it's, it's like this whole like processing that's going on right now. And like, I'm trying to see what is the next step. I, I want to jump to, it's like, almost like I need to ask you the question about what's the next step, but at the same time, we need to sit where we are and take in what has actually happened and to understand what our position is right now so that we can move forward. Right. That's why I'm looking back into the past and I'm saying, look, these things were written. Mm. You know, there is a clear thing. And I don't want to like point fingers and so on, you know, because that's not the point. I'm just feel a little bit like a spiritual detective. You know, there are these powerful goddesses. And after Nimna, there was Inanna, very powerful, you know, goddess and very wise and, and, and sexy. And, you know, she had a lover, he betrayed her. So she sent him to hell and, you know, then she allowed him back for six months. So she knew how to do boundaries. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She says there are certain mm -hmm. boundaries and so on. There's goddess uh, Hathor in, in, in Egypt and goddess Isis. And, you know, so I go through this powerful goddesses, you know, so we mm -hmm. have examples of these goddesses. And I also look at, uh, you know, how sometimes it was truly um, a really mean thing to do to repress this uh, powerful feminine that somebody was afraid of us you know mm. because for example i listened to a talk by a cambridge scholar who translated the odyssey by by homer right who also wrote this hymn to aphrodite and she said that if you look at of the original ancient greek she's a powerful goddess but if you look at through translations, you know, let's say 17th, 18th, 19th, even early 20th century, even mid 20th century, suddenly, you know, these goddesses and nymphs, which were basically nature spirits, are called, you know, sluts and whores and harlots. Mm. So it wasn't even translated properly, you see? Mm. Yeah. So somebody was, was doing this work, you know, somebody who had a difficulty dealing with the powerful feminine, and as especially a feminine that is also in her, uh, in, embodies her sexuality. In a, and I always talk that the women should embody their sexuality in a, in a responsible way. Mm, it's not to be seductress, yeah. but you know, to, I'm not ashamed of this and I'm not a slave to anybody. I, I am who I am and this is, I am who I am. You know, yes. and this is a very important part of me. And I was also looking at women in the past, you know, who were very powerful such as for example, Themistoclea, who was, a, who was also a prophetess in Delphi, and mm -hmm. she was the teacher of famous Pythagoras, the, who was also a mathematician, if people remember from mm -hmm. ancient history, but also a philosopher. And he had a wife whose name was Theano, who was a philosopher with him. And when he died, she ran his school. Oh, I didn't you know, know that. Mm -hmm. But who knows about it? You Not know, me. so much effort. I didn't know it either. I have mm. to rely, you know, on, on other scholars' work, mm -hmm. you know, do, doing this work. And, and you know, and, and, and there, there, there's a whole list of women who were there and mysteriously, 
you know, they were forgotten mysteriously. It just happens that the works were lost. Yeah. Not uh, Pythagoras's work, you know, right. we know about him, but mm -hmm. his wives and his teachers, which is, I think it's really bizarre, yes, right? Because bizarre. they're of women, mm -hmm. right? They're lost yeah. and so on. But also they are often vilified, you know, as prostitutes. Yeah. So it's almost like the, the archetype of a wise woman was change, changed to the archetype of a prostitute. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at, you know, ancient Greek history, for example, uh, a woman who was educated was called heteri, which is basically an educated escort, educated mm. prostitute, because you had a wife who was uneducated and she was bearing your children. Mm -hmm. And then if you wanted, you know, to have an interesting conversation with another woman, she would, she, she, you know, she would be like a, this other partner, but she was called heteri, which, which, which was, a, 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 and it was considered very indecent. She was indecent right. because she was educated because it was inappropriate for a woman to be educated and therefore she was a prostitute. Do you understand? Not yes. because she was a prostitute, right. but she was a prostitute because she was an educated educate. mm -hmm. and she was not uh, fitting in into this uh, role of, uh, you know, of a mother mm. and a wife. Yeah. So let me recount, like now we know, we, we, we are seeing the evidences of how, you know, wisdom and our, uh, power and our sexuality everything it's kind of been hijacked or been the narrative has been changed and um, edited and we're in a space where we want to reclaim it we're doing it in like you said you know it can look a little bit messy the way we're trying to reclaim our power it can even look masculine um, at times um, and I'm also seeing in some circles like goddess circles and things like that where they are reclaiming it in a different way kind of accessing more intuitively and um, yes I, I'm sure you've also you know you have uh, some relation with with such circles is this a direction that uh, we need to look into deeper do you think we would be able to find more connection by you know being part of these circles I'm not sure there's a lot of people that I speak to who have felt totally out of place in, <laughs> in these yeah. contexts too and it's not really for everyone um, but at the same time we want to be more connected so what can you suggest and how can we move forward yeah so I think this is a like the new door of perception basically mm -hmm. so now we have to once we know that uh, there were other archetypes and that somehow they were taken away from us we can either reclaim them or actually adjust them to the modern world. Do you know what I mean? Because I think that, for example, in the classical Jungian psychology, so Carl Jung was a Swiss psychologist who was looking deeply into subconscious and he was talking about archetypes. You know, there is a set number of archetypes, mm -hmm. you know, so you can choose which archetype you follow. I am arguing very rebelliously that actually we can create our own archetypes. Mm. So create your own narrative, you know, right. so go to these workshops, write your journaling, mm -hmm. make, uh, you know, meditate, right? Mm -hmm. And imagine your highest possibility, right. you know, not only in a material world as an empowered woman, but, you know, in your, as a higher consciousness, who could you be? Mm. 
and then make a list and go through it. You know? That's, that's amazing. Simple. You know, like, <laughs> that's such an amazing thing. answer. Yeah. Like I'm like looking outside, like, oh no, it's everything's been taken. Where are we gonna go? Who are we gonna look to? And you're like saying, just look in the mirror and find what's there. <laughs> that's right. So and powerful. just give yourself yes. the space, you know. And I would say, unless you trust someone, do not share the space with anyone because I unfortunately, because we are so demented, you know, for generations and generations as as, as women, that sometimes our closest women to us, especially of older generation, can be very critical of that because they had to sacrifice, they had to conform, mm -hmm. you know, and they want us to survive. For example, my, my grandmother would tell me, are you nuts? You know, mm -hmm. like, Why are you doing this to yourself? Because it is unsafe space, right? right? Like me writing this book, it's an unsafe space. Oh, it feels but unsafe. We, it, it might feels feel unsafe. it, yeah. Maybe it's mm -hmm. not, you know, because yeah. different times and so on, but it feels unsafe. But mm -hmm. actually, we have to go to this edge. We have to look at the mirror and never mind what your mother wants, never mind what your father wants, never mind what your partner wants, or even what you thought you want. What is your mm -hmm. highest possibility? Give yourself the space and time to reflect mm -hmm. upon this and then embody it as much as you can. And we'll make mistakes. Yeah. Because this is the, you know, the faraway galaxy, if you know <laughs> what I mean, like of ourselves. We yeah. have to, we have to create it for ourselves, but at least we have some inklings from the past that it is possible. Mm. You know, like there were these goddesses, there were these women. Mm -hmm. And obviously it was somehow important because somebody didn't want us to remember them. Right. 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 Yeah. So so look at the mirror, give yourself a space and ask yourself you know, mm. at my absolute best, yeah. as an embodiment of highest consciousness, who am I? Yeah. Today, you know, today. Yeah, it can change. <laughs> it's so beautiful. And I, I am just reminded of that I'm, I've been working on my website and I've been changing the words over and over and almost every day it changes and it changes. And right now it says, believe in the highest version of yourself, you know, like, and and uh, and and your vision of the world, you know, and that's kind of the headline right now. And I don't know, maybe these messages are really coming through in in so many ways and for so many people. And it's worth paying attention. It's not just something to brush aside or, you know, not place any importance on. Obviously, somebody wanted it not to be seen, and now we can see it. It's time for us to really um, be open to it. Yeah. That's beautifully said, Jacqueline, because it's actually goddess consciousness in action, you know, like these things coming to you, you know, be your highest self and so on, when you said for your website. And, mm -hmm. and, and this is goddess consciousness, this kind of inklings, you know, mm -hmm. this little satories and so on. So, so this is goddess consciousness. She's trying to break through, you know, through mm -hmm. eye conditioning, that form of consciousness. So, so that's very, very beautifully put. Well, thank you so much. Um, I would love to hear a little bit more about your book. How about you tell us what we can expect from inside your book that you haven't already talked about, maybe some of the things that really fascinate, fascinated you that you've included in there. I know that you've mentioned previously um, that you chose not to do it as an academic book. So maybe you can also expand a little bit on why you did that and what we can expect. Mm -hmm. I didn't do it as an academic book because uh, academia is very important in a sense that it gives you good uh, discernment, right? Mm -hmm. Because there is so much, you know, 
strange research sometimes and sometimes people do not kind of discern what is kind of possible and what is not possible but on the other hand it's also ex extremely limiting you know it's all in mental blocks and it disregards lots of oral tradition and it disregards lots of alternative traditions and i think uh saving grace is actually and goddess consciousness is hidden in in oral tradition and alternative traditions and we don't have time to talk about it but but this is what it is so i decided that I am going to look into this alternative traditions and into this oral traditions or what some academics would call it folkloric traditions, especially about Mary Magdalene, but also about other goddesses, you know? Mm -hmm. And also I'm going to look at it in a very personal way. Right. Because as I said, goddess consciousness is like a spiral. It's not like chapter on this, chapter on this, chapter on that. So the first part of my book is basically about my own journey, about you know how I felt about in, within my body, mm -hmm. you know, and how I discovered uh, my own beauty. Mm -hmm. And for me, it happened also through the connection of esoteric Hinduism and also tantra. Mm -hmm. And then the second part starts with this moment in the church of Mary Magdalene in Jerusalem and the, uh, and the um, research with um, respect to other goddesses that were like that, like her. And also what could happen to Mary Magdalene historically. So there were other women, historical women that possibly were her. You know, that were also alchemists and intellectuals in ancient Alexandria. So I'm making this connection. In part three, I'm... Uh, I am exploring the idea, which is now very popular, that uh, uh, 14 years after resurrection, Marie Magdalene went to southern France. And I looked at chronicles and so on, whether it was possible, what she was doing there, how she was represented there, which again, she was represented as a powerful, wise woman from a wealthy uh, household, extremely well educated. So that's interesting. And part four kind of brings the esoteric Hinduism and Tantra together with what I learned about Gnostic sources, you know, when Mary Magdalene is portrayed as the wise woman and possibly even a, a close partner of Jesus. So, so, so this is basically the first part is very personal and others are less personal and more research oriented. Mm -hmm. So if you don't know anything, if you don't want to know anything about me, skip part one and go to part two. And it's, you know, this is where Mary Magdalene really starts. No, I like that you made it personal and it also ties back into that we need to look within and look at ourselves and find the answers there and the way that that reflects in the way that you wrote the book. I think it's very appropriate. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share that we haven't already covered? Anything that's coming up for you? I think that... Um... Apart from, uh, because I was talking about women only here, right? Mm -hmm. but apart from that, I would like to re reinforce that collectively as humanity, we have to tap in into this other goddess, into this other wisdom, which is not just rational, technical engineering, you know, artificial intelligence, logical wisdom. Because personally, I think that uh, not only losing, we are losing out as a culture, even a civilization, but I worry that we may not survive. Mm. You know, but we have to uh, stop focusing on separateness and on winning and comparing ourselves to other people. And we have to focus our interconnectivity. And, and, and this is what the other goddess really teaches us. Beautiful. So this is the, 
is it a, like the unified consciousness it's not just a yeah it's not du- dual anymore it's not feminine masculine but overall something yes that's beautiful um, yeah and it's for everyone and it's for our planet too because <laughs> yeah she can't survive without us um, tapping into that and realizing that um, we need to overcome certain certain um, egoic interests in order for us to be able to survive as you said and to live mm-hmm. we have to transcend them and if i just want to um could add something at the very end that's why mm-hmm. because the description you know this word sexual alchemy is being used and so on but the sexual alchemy is actually connection connecting of feminine and masculine consciousness so we do need both mm-hmm. but at the moment we have only one right right so so yeah. the alchemy is connecting two forms of consciousness one that is forgotten mm-hmm. and needs to be rediscovered and claimed and the other one that is already there and it's not all bad no look we have medicine right right <laughs> we can right. now we can have this meeting because of technology but yeah. it's going too far in one direction mm. and, and there has to be balance so this is the alchemy the meeting of the two consciousness types of consciousness well, I'm, I'm excited to sit and to listen more about this, this vision and, and what that's going to look like. Um, perhaps it's something that we can all sit down and meditate with and um, take away with us and how, what this vision is going to look like for us individually and as a whole. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Joanna, for all your wisdom and for writing this book. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Um, and this has been such such an experience just talking about it and I guess we do need to talk about it we need to talk about it more and more um so uh, you know anyone who's listening if you have something to say if you'd like to share anything please do do so in the show notes and um we will uh, see you next time thank you so much Joanna thank you Jacqueline it was a pleasure